Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swaddlers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swaddlers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swaddlers absorbs wetness better than the leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With Free and Gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Hi everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Living Well with Janet, where we explore what it means to live well. I'm your host, Janet, a yogi, meditator, plant-forward eater, and all-around wellness enthusiast. I'm also a second-generation Asian-American woman, an experimenter, and a deep thinker. Join me in my conversations and contemplations on the physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, social, and environmental aspects of living well. On today's episode, I want to talk about different tools for achieving and maintaining wellness. Many of us have probably heard of talk therapy, but what about hypnotherapy? And we all probably know that yoga is a great tool for living well, but what about Ayurveda? To help us dig deeper into these topics, we have Nilu Kaur with us. Nilu is a certified NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming Coach, certified yoga instructor, Ayurveda specialist, and trained Ericksonian hypnotherapist. She focuses on bringing mindfulness and stress management practices to individuals, teams, and organizations. Thank you for being here with me today, Nilu, to talk about the types of approaches you have to living well. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So let's start off with kind of just the word wellness. It can be very broad. I'm curious, Nilu, how do you define wellness? Yeah, it's so interesting because wellness is used so frequently, and I think it can be a simple definition, and there's also, I think, many components to it. So I define it as feeling content, feeling satisfied on multiple dimensions, and those dimensions would be emotional, spiritual, psychological, physical, financial, and cultural. And I focus a lot with culture as it relates to AAPI women and burnout um, from self-advocacy and, or rather lack of self-advocacy and lack of self-promotion, which leads to burnout. So my area of focus specifically for the last five years has really been around AAPI women to self-advocate. And I just published a book called Be Your Own Cheerleader that talks about these things. Oh, that's amazing. So you're looking at not just the individual, but how they function in a group and all components of wellness. I really like that definition. I think that nowadays, what you see around the internet and different articles, they focus too narrowly on just the physical. So I think that's an amazing approach and perspective to take. I want to talk more specifically now about some of the ways that you help people. I think that many of our listeners understand the concept of therapy, but they may not be knowledgeable about all of the different modalities and techniques that there are out there. And you are a certified neurolinguistic programming coach and also trained Ericksonian hypnotherapist. So these are two kind of specific types of techniques that I would love for you to dive more deeply into, share about what they are, what they mean, and how you use them to help people. 
Yes, and I think, you know, one thing to think about therapy versus coaching. So therapy is really helpful if you're digging into the past and there's trauma, there's debilitating anxiety or depression, right? And so those are, that's time to, to work with a therapist for your mental health and well-being. And I think coaching is really focused on the present moment and really future oriented. And so my mode of coaching that I use is NLP, neuro-linguistic programming. And so NLP is really, you know, there's a lot of definitions out there. There's a lot of people that practice. It ultimately, to me, means that you are a master communicator and you expect people, you expect yourself to meet people at their bus stop versus expecting others to meet you at your bus stop. So NLP briefly and simply defined is essentially changing behavior through language and language first with ourselves, how we speak to ourselves and also how we speak to others. Ah, oh, that is a great, yeah. Is there an example that you have for kind of one way that you've used this? Yeah, so I personally used to have debilitating panic attacks and I was on this just quest for finding solutions for myself. And I delved into many different modes of healing. And NLP for me was really transformational because I think first and foremost, before I could impact the relationships that I had or the struggles that I had in the workplace, it was really delving deeper into how I spoke to myself and dealing with the imposter syndrome that I felt. And so first working through NLP through the lens of self-healing and then helping others with the language that they use with themselves and others. So kind of before I could help others, I really had to help myself and delve deeper into the types of language that I used to talk to myself, which was actually pretty vicious. And I think we have a tendency of doing that where we would never speak to our best friend or our sister in the way that we speak to ourselves. So really analyzing and stepping back and saying, like, how am I speaking to myself? It's not very, it's not very loving. It's not very kind and compassionate. Mm. Yeah, I, I've, I've heard this uh, talked about quite a bit, and I'm curious for our listeners who um, maybe struggle to kind of perceive how they're talking to themselves, is there like an exercise that you have to kind of to figure that out or to start um, picking up on that? Yeah, so I start first with, I ask people, so what are, you know, let's say for example, someone is dealing with downsizing, because that's happening rampantly right now. And so I'll yeah. say, so what questions are you asking yourself? And if the questions, and that's, that's what I start with. So what questions are you asking yourself about your current situation? And they'll say, oh, well, I wonder what I did wrong to get downsized. Or, you know, I didn't have a great relationship with my boss. I wonder if he didn't like me or something like this, right? Which is very blaming and accusatory versus more of an outcome framed question, which is what NLP really helps us do is address the questions that we ask ourselves and others. So the questions that we want to start thinking about are, you know, what, who, who can I reach out to for support in this moment? How can I expand my network? Like those to me are more outcome oriented versus very mm. blame and judgy towards ourselves. Yeah, yeah, that I can definitely see that being such a different way to frame it. But, you know, it's probably challenging to to make that switch. How do you typically guide people in, in making that switch? I mean, you know, ultimately it's wellness in general. It's it's an inner job, right? Like we, I can yeah. help you in the hour that we're together. But ultimately, after that hour is finished, it's on you to really be your own. You know, you're facilitating this dialogue with yourself. And so raising it to the surface is my job. And then you having sort of the awareness to move forward and do something with the language that you're speaking to yourself with is your job. Yeah, I did go through a pretty intensive period of like therapy as well as coaching. And one of the, the things that the first thing that she told me was, you know, this is going to require a lot of homework. 
And I always guide my friends who are looking for either therapist or coach that one of the best ways to get things out of it is to to make that known that you are intending to practice and to do work outside of the sessions. So I think that's a really great way to frame it and a good expectation for people to have if they're expecting real change to come through. Yes, it's, it's, so it's a two-way street. And I think that's the, that's the beauty of coaching is that Ultimately, it's not sort of a long-term approach. It's like you need this person to help you, a coach to help you for a set period of time. And then ultimately you want to develop the skill set and the, you know, the conversation internally and externally to manage your own dialogue. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. I think that's a great way to look at it too. It's a short term that, you know, this relationship is intended to be for a period of time to help you eventually do this yourself. Wonderful. Do you know what the secret is to keep a baby's skin healthy? The secret is a diaper that doesn't leave skin wet. You've heard me talk about Pampers Swathers on our podcast many, many times now, and that's because Pampers Swathers is the diaper for healthy baby skin. Pampers Swathers absorbs wetness better than a leading value brand and provides up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. And if you're a fan of Pampers, you've got to check out their new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes, which clean better than Huggies Natural Care and are five times stronger, so they resist tearing during a diaper change. With free and gentle, mess meets its match. And if you're like me and you love saving and getting rewarded for something you gotta buy anyway, like diapers, don't forget to download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. You can redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers free and gentle wipes for healthy baby skin. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. So aside from NLP, how about hypnotherapy? When I saw this on your background, I thought that was fascinating. I'd love to learn more about what Ericksonian is, particularly how you got into it, how you use it to help people. Yeah, so Milton Erickson is actually considered the father of hypnotherapy and how it differs in his practice and methodology differs from like a standard or traditional hypnosis is that he uses contradictions, he uses metaphors, anecdotes to help people change behavior. So his suggestions are not direct. Whereas if you go to a traditional hypnotherapist, they will give you direct suggestions to change behavior. And what Milton Erickson did and became famous for was providing metaphors, providing stories of change, providing stories of triumph. And when you're in a relaxed trans-like state in order for you to then take that story and internalize it and let your subconscious mind do that for you. And so there's a lot more creativity in the language and the trans language that he uses and in the methodology. And how I got introduced to it was through NLP. So I went to the NLP Center of New York and they use Ericksonian hypnotherapy trans language in some of the NLP techniques. So that's where I really learned about it and really felt the power of it versus you know, direct suggestion. I also noticed for myself that I have issues with authority. So when someone tells me to do something, I don't immediately mm. want to do it. But in a story, in an ah. anecdote, in a metaphor, my subconscious mind was taking on and taking it in and then processing through my lens, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. So when something is like too direct or too obvious, some of the experiences that we have with those like deliberate things can get kind of convoluted. Right. 
Do you recall like the first time you had it done on you and what that experience was like? Yes, I actually remember. So I was first introduced to NLP through Tony Robbins and he has taken NLP and massaged it in his own way. I mean, he's a genius marketer in that regards, but I really wanted to go to the root source and that's what drove me or that would cause me to go to the NLP Center of New York. And I think once I was involved in NLP and, and using it on myself and then also ultimately using it with my clients, the first experience I had with Ericksonian hypnotherapy was really transformational because I was dealing a lot with imposter syndrome and the person that they Mm -hmm. that I was working with, who was actually the teacher of the class, used a metaphor and used an anecdote of overcoming challenges in a completely different context that had nothing to do with me. He shared through his own lens as a white male, which I was like, why is he sharing this story Mm -hmm. with me? But it was really the essence of triumph and the essence of having the skills to talk through that inner dialogue in a a relaxed, trans-like state. So whether you can relate to the person or their background, it was really powerful because the metaphor and the anecdote was really helpful for my subconscious mind to take in that learning. Ah, I see. So he basically walked you through what he experiences as someone who comes through the world as a white male so that you could feel that in yourself. Right. So my subconscious mind could take that information and sort of like he's the modeler of that sort of experience, right? And then it's up to me and my Mm -hmm. subconscious mind to take that in and say, okay, what resonates for me? What can I start doing differently? So for me, how I Mm -hmm. use it with my clients is in the corporate setting, you know, if I said to someone, an executive at say a tech company, they would look at me with like, as if I had two heads, if I was saying, hey, we're going to use trans language to help you calm down and relax. So I will use the same sort of method of storytelling anecdotes, metaphors after they're in a more relaxed state. But I don't call it trans language. I don't, I don't even preface Mm -hmm. it by saying this is aspects of hypnotherapy, because I think when we think of hypnosis, especially corporate professionals, there's a little bit of reluctance to use it. Whereas when I say hypnotherapy with my yogis or my Ayurveda folks that are really into that, they're much more inclined to say, yes, let's practice, you know, the true essence of Ericksonian hypnotherapy. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a great way to, I mean, so it's like when you're in a group in a corporate setting, and that was what I was interested in. I was like, do you practice this with groups of people? And so when it's with groups, it's not necessarily like hypnotherapy, but you're taking the words. But what about like, do you practice this for individuals? And have you led someone through like kind of a hypnotherapy session? Yeah. So, you know, a lot of my clients suffer from burnout, right? And so when it's a Mm one-on-one situation, we build rapport, we establish a connection, a relationship. And if they feel, and if I feel like they would be open to it, I certainly suggest it. And if they say yes, they're open to it, then we incorporate it. So I help them get into a very deeply relaxed state using Ericksonian hypnotherapy language. And then we just move through whatever they're working through, whether it's, you know, burnout, whether it's, you know, not being able to self-advocate. So a lot of AAPI professionals and specifically women who I work with, it's something that they struggle with is having that confidence to speak up and speak out. And so in those cases with those women that are open to it I will use hypnosis in a one-on-one session but I tend not to use it in a corporate group workshop ah got it okay great so this is something great for someone to consider if they want to work through kind of like confidence or imposter syndrome beyond just talk therapy you can consider like hypnotherapy as as an option as well right right and if someone says you know, I'm not open to hypnosis or hypnotherapy. And then I will use the same concepts of the metaphor, the anecdotes to get across that we are all unique and we're all so different as well, right? So there are some commonalities Mm. in my story that might help you. So one of the concepts of Ericksonian hypnotherapy is to always use yourself as an instrument. 
So you share your personal, whereas in many traditional hypnosis or hypnotherapists don't necessarily share much about themselves. I will use a, an anecdote mm. or a story about my triumphant experience as in, you know, go, moving through imposter syndrome. Ah, oh, that's great. Yeah. I think having someone who is providing therapy for you or providing coaching for you who knows what you're going through and has been through it is such a valuable aspect. It's, I think, quite critical actually to the efficacy oftentimes. <laughs> And Nilu, I love that you share that you have this background of, you know, working with companies and corporations, but then also, like you said, your yogis and, you know, the people that practice Ayurveda. I'm personally Chinese American, and I find that when I look into the topic of health and wellness practices in Western culture, there's a lot that directly is like an opposite to a practice in Chinese culture, particularly when it comes to like food and nutrition, I found, but in many ways as well. Can you share with our listeners what Ayurveda is? And if you had to alter the ways that you practice it with some of your like Western clients or American clients? Yeah. So Ayurveda is a holistic healing system that's about 5,000 years old and comes from India. And so the basic premise is the moment we're born is our constitution. It's called our prakruti. And what happens is as we age, we get further and further away from it. And that's called our vakruti. So true balance is when your prakruti equals your vakruti. So essentially, there's five elements, space, air, fire, water, earth, and you want to get back to that blueprint of when you were conceived. And that's ultimate wellness. And so mm -hmm. what happens, like you're saying, is there are some contradictions. So there's all of these you know, diets that happen in the US or in the West that are fad diets. But what happens from an Ayurvedic perspective is that you want to eat according to your constitution. So we're all made up of these elements. We're just, we have different chronological percentages of these elements. And those contribute to these three energies, which are called doshas, vata, pitta, kapha. So based on your constitution, you want to eat the things that work for your constitution. So someone that comes in and says, hey, you should reduce sugar and carbs. Well, that might not be a remedy for everyone. That might be someone who is more mm -hmm. kapha, more earth, more water element, and they need to perhaps lose some weight. That might not resonate for someone who is a more space air person, vata, where they're sort of flying around like a hummingbird. They need more grounding energy. And so and sometimes yeah. carbs can help them do that, right? So it's really looking mm -hmm. through the lens of like increases like and opposite decreases same. So for example, if you're a highly ambitious executive, you have a lot of fire in you and you, so you wanna start thinking about things that will cool you. So cooling foods, cooling breathing techniques, cooling yoga poses, right? So it's a whole all encompassing, not just related to nutrition and food. Ah, wow, okay, that's fascinating. I, I did not know that it crossed over beyond food and nutrition. Um, and did you share that it was, is it based on your birth, um, your birth time or how do you kind of determine what your type is? So your conception, so at, conception. And so what you can do is you can go to an Ayurveda specialist or practitioner that can take your pulse. You could answer some surveys. And there's so many free surveys on different websites like Deepak Chopra, you know, the Ayurveda Institute in Albuquerque. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, what happens with assessments is we look through the lens of our own biases. And so sometimes working with a practitioner, mm -hmm. they can really help you address like, no, actually, we think you are a pitta vata and there's a vata imbalance, which is why that's happening right now. So if you are in a city with access to an Ayurveda doctor or practitioner, it would be great to get an assessment with them and make sure you find out what your constitution is. And then you can work your diet, your meditation, your even the types of careers we go into can be sort of look through the lens of what is healthy for me. Mm. 
Wow, that's amazing. Do you have any resource? I mean, I guess you just shared some <laughs> that are great. Is this something that you also provide to individuals as well? Yes. Yeah, so uh, there's many resources like the Ayurveda Institute. If you go to the website, they're located in Albuquerque. In my book, Be Your Own Cheerleader, there's a whole section on self-advocacy through the lens of Ayurveda. So what sorts of practices mm-hmm. do we need to do to build up that fire in us to be able to speak up, right? And so if you, even Deepak Chopra, there's a lot of Ayurvedic resources. And also Banyan Botanicals is a great source as well. So you can go on those websites just to get a foundational understanding. But the idea is really holistic. It's not just about food. It's about, Mm -hmm. you know, what type of work you're doing, what type of environment you're living in. If If your air and space is really high, like your Vata dominant and living in a bustling city might be aggravating your vata. You might need to live somewhere mm. that's a little bit calmer, right? So it's all looking at multiple aspects of our life for optimal wellness. Yeah, that's wonderful. Thank you. I love the holistic perspective. And that's something that I try to share a lot with our listeners is that health and wellness is really all encompassing. And it's great that there are frameworks that really push the all encompassingness. Next, I want to talk about burnout. So you've already mentioned that quite a few times. And I know that in in today's work environment, just in today's like living environment after all, you know, all that has happened and with so much going on, burnout is a term that I hear often and all the time. I believe I probably have personally experienced it a couple of times in my life. But, you know, the word can also be a bit tricky to define just like wellness. I'm curious how you personally define burnout and some of the tips that you have for anyone who may feel like they are experiencing burnout. Yeah, again, burnout, just like wellness, is a word that's thrown out so much. And so I think there's some cues, right? So burnout to me is that you lack motivation, Mm -hmm. that you are struggling to just um, get tasks completed, or you are Sunday night, I call it the Sunday night scaries, where just thinking about work the next day is dragging you down. You're mentally fatigued. It's really hard to complete a task. Like those to me are signs of feeling unwell or, or on the verge of burnout. And so the first thing I would suggest for anyone, specifically women, as it relates to lack of energy, is to go to a physician and get your hormones checked, get everything checked, make Mm -hmm. sure you're getting your vitamins, your supplements, like all of that. And if that's still, if that's okay, and then you still feel like there's a lack of energy, there's a lack of motivation, really doing some deep diving into like, what can I do in my daily life to enhance my life, right? And then I would go through different routines. And Ayurveda provides morning routines and evening routines that I think, even in a corporate setting, I may not use the word Ayurveda, but I will use the concepts of some routines Mm -hmm. that you can start to use in your daily life and play around. Like there's so many and there's so many resources out there. And I think it can also get overwhelming, right? Like there's podcasts, there's articles, there's so much to read on burnout. So I think, you know, find a couple of things that you want to start tweaking daily and see how that plays Mm -hmm. out for you. That's a great way to do it is to focus on one thing or like a handful of things because you're right. The content for burnout or like resources is like way too numerous out there. It is. So it's getting getting focused on a couple things. It's getting focused on a couple of things. And the one thing that I actually do with everyone is I ask them to be device free in the morning for the first hour. Mm. If you reach for your phone the first thing in the morning, you're basically training your brain to be reactive and distracted all day. And so oh. some people say an hour, there's no way I use my phone as my alarm clock or whatever, yeah. right? <laughs> so if that's the case, I would say try 30 minutes. And in that 30 minutes, you really want to mm. ease into the day. Maybe you are drinking your tea or your coffee or you're meditating or you're doing your gratitude practice or whatever you want to do to, to set yourself up for success. It's very Mm. crucial in that 30 minutes to an hour when you first wake up. Ah, that is, yeah, 
Tech devices is one on my personal list for 2023. But I like the way that you focused in also particularly in the morning because it's not just about to say like, oh, I'm going to be on my phone less is so kind of like, how are you going to do it? When are you going to do it? So getting specific about the morning time, particularly because that's a high impact moment. That's right. Great. And Thank also the same that. at night. So according to Ayurveda, the mm. hour before we go to bed is like our pamper hour. So that's usually the time where you ideally want to be device free, where you're not talking about anything that elicit stress or cortisol in the body. So no bills, no, you know, fighting with your partner, no talking about things that will get you riled up. You want to start mm. to calm the nervous system and really set yourself up for restorative sleep. Ah, those are great. The great tips to start the day and to yes. end the day. <laughs> yeah. So if you do nothing else, but you just start tweaking those mm. 30 minutes in the morning and hour or 30 minutes at night, and perhaps that's going to take away some of that feeling of burnout. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great tip. Sunilu, as we've talked about, you work with both individuals as well as organizations. As someone who is so experienced in that way, I'm curious, what are some mindfulness and stress management practices that you have found to be most effective with your client? You've already shared kind of the morning and evening, but if there's like maybe one to three that you can share with our listeners to take away. Yeah. So, you know, one thing, and I don't know if you do this, but do you look ahead to your week and see what meetings you have. So one of the things is I suggest people to really look at their calendars. And I know Sunday we want to maximize our Sunday, but perhaps at some point in the evening or not that pamper hour, because you don't want to think yeah. about work that pamper <laughs> hour. But at some point, look through the week and ask yourself, do, does, do I need to be in this meeting? Because what's going on now oh. is just back-to-back meetings with no processing time, no downtime to really process or synthesize information, which leads to burnout. So if you're going back to back and you have no time to go to the bathroom, you have no time to eat, Mm. right? Like this is going to contribute to burnout. So I say, look through your calendar and get out of as many meetings as you can possibly get out of because we're in this culture of heavy meeting culture. And I think a lot of my clients experience that. So just even doing that task has helped with creating buffers throughout the day. And I know I've listened to some of your work too, and you're a big advocate of meditation. And so, you know, the point of meditation is to create space between thoughts. And my goal with my Mm -hmm. clients, yes, is to meditate, but also to create some space between those meetings for processing, for downtime, for some introspection. So that's like the first place I start Mm -hmm. because we are so meeting heavy and meeting focused culture. Oh my gosh, I love that. Is to go through or look at your calendar and not to be like prepping yourself mentally for the meetings, but be like, which of these can I remove? Right. And then just completely clear. Yeah. Right. That is wonderful. Right. And then with that bonus mm -hmm. time that you get with the the lack of those meetings, Mm There's a, a researcher, she calls it time confetti. And the, the goal is not to jam pack more things into that open space, but to really allow yourself to introspect. Maybe you can throw in a meditation quick session. Maybe it's mm. a mindfulness practice of just taking a walk around the block before you get on your next meeting. So movement is really important for mindfulness because it changed your physiological state. So if you can even just mm. get up and if you don't have time to move you know, around the block, maybe you just move around your apartment or your home before you get to your next meeting. So that's what the second strategy would really be incorporate Mm. some sort of movement just to change the physiological state in your body. Wonderful. I will definitely, yeah, I try to implement that, but I definitely catch myself on certain days not doing it. And I can definitely say, yeah, just getting up and moving changes like my mood totally for like the next meeting or the next work session. And, and I think the third thing I would say, and I work with my clients and I ask them, are you happy at work? And if the answer is no, mm-hmm. we really want to do some digging. Like, is it a, the right job? Is it the right role? Like, what can be done? What can be changed? If it's a continuous feeling of dread and despair, 
it's, it's probably time to consider like this might not be the right choice for me in this moment in time. Ah, that is a great question. I know that we get a lot of listeners with messages writing in about trying to figure out like, is this the right job for me? Or is it just when is the right time to leave? So I like the way that you said if there are multiple days in a row of dread, that's like one of the big signals. And if you're feeling burnout, that's like another signal. Thank you so much, Nilu, for being here with me today and sharing with our listeners. I feel like I learned so much and I'm sure that, you know, our listeners have as well and that you've helped many people here today. So thank you so much again uh, for being here on, on my mini show. Well, thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yeah. And congrats on your book and everything. If our listeners want to check it out or check you out, where can they follow you? Where can they find your resources? So my book, Be Your Own Cheerleader, is available on Amazon and Barnes and Nobles and all of the book platforms. My website, neelucor.com. And I'm also very active on LinkedIn under neelucor and Instagram, neelu.core. So you should be able to find me just under my name. Wonderful. And we'll definitely share Neelu's contact details and information in the show notes as well. Thanks so much, Neelu. Thank you so much. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment in the IG post. Once again, this is your host, Janet. I can also be found on Asian Boss Girl, the podcast for the modern-day Asian-American woman, with my good friends Helen and Mel, who are also hosting their own shows, which you can catch on the same feed, new episodes every Tuesday. You can follow ABG on Instagram at Asian Boss Girl and me, Janet, at Janet W. That's Janet, the word double, and the letter U. 